Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Armageddon. In the year 1997, a deep impact threatened the world with Armageddon. You just confused me. What, what are we doing? Did I watch the wrong movie? <laughs> Did I watch the same movie? I would say you watched the right movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, by comparison, Armageddon is awesome. You know, I mean, Taylor Leone, Morgan Freeman, they're all right, but it's not Deep Impact. I mean, it's not Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Deep Impact is a um is a is a kind of thoughtful movie about an impending disaster, right? You know. Something that'll really screw up the earth, but not destroy the earth. But this one, Armageddon, blow shit up. Yeah, right on. So we're going to have a big, dumb conversation about a big, dumb movie. This is Matt here. This is Luke. It's a sci-fi sanctuary. You've already heard him a bit. You've heard him on this podcast a bit before. It's uh, coming in from Log to Orville. Hello, Mike Richards. Hey, Matt. Hey, Luke. How are you guys doing? Pretty groovy. Great. I guess because our last movie was like Snakes on a Plane. So when Armageddon was coming up, it was like, I, I, I think I should call Mike. But, um, <laughs> you know, the funny part is, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Like, I, I saw this in the movies in, I believe you said, 97, 98. Um, I loved this movie at the time. I loved, we'll talk more about it. Uh, but then I revisited it with a couple of years ago. It was on one of the streamers. And I was like, gather around, kids. We're going to watch the best movie of all time. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Now, some of it holds up and some of it doesn't. But uh, I was a little surprised at how much of the movie I had erased from my memory that that maybe didn't quite hold up, but some of it is just flat out fun. It really is. Well, the tone here, actually, I was just thinking, maybe, maybe thinking about the Orville's part of where I came in. Cause it, I, I'm going to give the Orville like it's smarter, you know, it hits social issues, but just that kind of mix of like kind of insane sci-fi and a, a touch of comedy, but still a little resonance here and there. I, I feel like it's kind of in sort of in the same wheelhouse, not as smart, but it's like the younger older dumber brother maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah it has it has a lot of you know neat nostalgic qualities about it um you know just the opening with charlton heston you know from that old time sci-fi soylent green planet of the apes guy you know it just it just kind of it just kind of like brought brought you back into that you know that that uh, it's kind of the bridge to that era from now to that era of of sci-fi but you know things like owen wilson just uh just just being funny with the one-liners and just other matt um excuse me uh not matt um aj and harry stamper just their interaction you know was was funny and you're right it had it was sci-fi with kind of a enough comedy interwoven into to i think you know keep me entertained for you said big dumb movie two hours 31 minutes that is a big dumb movie (laughs) yeah yeah I remember um, I did see this opening night. This is like right when I just every Friday I'd, I'd see something that was on release and probably Saturday, too. Uh, sure. But yeah, they, they started putting out the posters and things for uh, like 97. Like in my mind, I, mm-hmm. you know, I think we were like coming out of the fifth element. There was just this massive cardboard display for Armageddon. No clue what it was going to be about. So, and you just come out of the fifth elements. So you're like, whoa, they have to top that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, but they, you know, they really sat on like what it was about for quite a long time. And like, just, I mean, can, I guess Christopher Nolan can k- still kind of do that where it's just like a title and an interesting image and nobody mm-hmm. has any clue. You know, I went to Tenet, like not knowing anything. I, I again, didn't love it, but you know, I had no clue what I was getting into. And that I felt like that it was a cool way to get into it. And Armageddon definitely. I sat in the theater just not knowing what I was about to watch. That's kind of cool, though. I mean, I think it really is that it worked out that way. 
Yeah, we just uh, here's your big summer tent pole with Bruce Willis in the late 90s is all Bruce Willis, uh, you know, well, and Will Smith because we do our, our July 4th ones. But <laughs> um, so, Luke, you're coming from a different perspective. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I guess you could have seen this as little eight year old Luke in the theater, but probably not. Yeah, I don't think I saw it in a theater until last week. Wait, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the cinema here in Nagano, they show classic films <laughs> and last last two weeks it's been armageddon oh, oh you gotta you gotta spew out again the previous two weeks it was the right stuff then apollo 13 then armageddon that is an interesting combo you know that is an interesting one two the one two punch was great the number three punch was a little bit odd um, history of nasa movies <laughs> <laughs> But then coming up is Blade Runner and then the Matrix trilogy. So, well, that's that's not yeah. The, that little themed month is yeah. over, I guess. But uh, <laughs> no, I actually watched this. Uh, Mike, you said you put on your fan, uh, you put this on for your family, and was like, oh god, I did the same thing like two months ago. So, um, <laughs> what did they think of it? They they were okay with it. Actually, my wife had seen it because maybe a year or two ago she was doing the the stepper thing, like just step up, step down, and uh, why right. I gave her a folder of movies and. Armageddon was in there, so I, I'm, I think she watched most of them at that time. <laughs> so is it like, depending on how she's doing, do you give her like an hour 40 movie and then like maybe a two hour and 30 movie to do her steppers on? Or <laughs> oh, she, she chooses. <laughs> okay, good. I just gave her the folder of like, excuse me, about like, you know, 20, 30 movies that I thought, you know, because I got a bunch of horror, sci-fi, geeky stuff she doesn't want to see, so I was trying to cherry pick things that you know, I, I felt like Armageddon was still kind of palatable to the uh, non-sci-fi geek. Yeah, and this movie was just uh, my wife. My wife does like it because it has just enough of that, you know, romantic love story. She loves the uh, as a former flight attendant. She loves the you know I'm leaving on a jet plane song and you know the the arrangement by um, Ben Affleck and how he <laughs> <laughs> backed up by uh, Steve Buscemi and uh, I always get his name name wrong. Michael Clark Duncan. Michael. I think Duncan. that's right. Okay. Oh no, yeah, my—I don't know if it's Clark Duncan or Duncan Clark. Yeah. I know, and I just—I just messed us all up. Well, we, one of those was correct. So we Michael got right. Deep Impact. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, but I was disappointed, Luke, that you didn't see it on Sunday. So you would have come out of the movie and seen me sitting there, and would have mm -hmm. been really confused. Um, last Sunday, my daughter wanted to see an anime, right? But like mom and dad can't go in because she's too embarrassed because she's 13. So we just had to like hang out in the lobby. <laughs> I was going to go see Thor, but the anime was like 68 minutes long and Thor is another big, dumb movie. So <laughs> it sure was. Um, it was fun. It was more of a comedy, but it was fun. I, I hope I didn't tell the story last time I was here. My son was getting ready to go. He went to a boarding school, junior and senior year of high school, and he was going to have a roommate um, for the first time in his life. And where we were like, what are you looking for in a roommate? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, what, uh, you know, what, what about like common interests and stuff? And he goes, as long as he doesn't watch anime, I'm okay. And I was literally watching Space Battleship Yamato, the the reimagining ones, the 2202 that, you know, they made a few years ago, literally watching it at that time. And I just looked at him like, really, dude? And he was like, oh, I didn't know you were watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, my daughter has so, this, this like lightning fast reflex. Like, even if I just like open the front door, run down the hallway, and go in the dining room, she will have turned off whatever anime she had on the television. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like for a while, I a, a few nights because you know she stays up a little later now. She's in junior high, and I come in, I'm like, you're just staring at remote controls at 11 p.m. and what what are you doing? And then I I heat up some food. I look over. She's got two remote controls. I'm like, oh, you're staring at two remote controls. This, this was before I picked up on the fact that she was basically turning off whatever was on the television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she keeps it at like pretty low volume because she's a uh, you know Japanese polite or whatever. But <laughs> so I, I really thought she was just sitting around at night staring at remote controls a few times, wishing wishing she was still allowed to watch TV that, that late <laughs> at night. Um. So I I honestly went into this movie and i don't know i am definitely a credits watcher um you know i keep an eye on the opening and the closing but with this when i watched this movie i was looking away quite a bit to type notes in on my iphone mm. so i had the ipad up and i'm typing away so i i completely missed that it was a michael bay film <laughs> until i got finished with it. and then i was like of course it is uh, see, <laughs> who I, else would do this i think i did watch it as a kid, like on TV or on a videotape. 
But this time I was watching it entirely like, okay, so let's see this pre-Transformers Michael Bay film. And like watching it from that angle, you're like, oh, that's where that special effect comes from. And oh, look, that's exactly the same set design he uses for Decepticon planets. And I would still say... A Michael say, Bay film is a Michael Bay film. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would still say the best effect in the movie is, you know, dropping a car on another car. But because mm. <laughs> you're just like, at the beginning, you're like, whoa, they're dropping cars on each other. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, um, it, it, the first Transformers, right? The best effect is when he's just dropping tanks on other tanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so so dude who's kind of like stereotypical, very common character. Um, it seems like in 90s, the, the, the guy riding the bicycle that had the dog. Right. Mm. He was very, very outspoken, very, uh, very lot of line, packed a lot of dialogue into a short amount of time. And I was like, oh, this guy could be fun. Kind of a, you know, I don't know, um, could be a main character in this movie. And I was like, and he's dead. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's alive. And his <laughs> dog is hanging from a leash. Like, how did he live through that? <laughs> Can't kill the dog, man. The, the, the sales dude, the, the vendor was dead. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that the guy was also oh. a little bit racist too. He said, get your pineapple ass eating face, pineapple face eating face out of my face or something like that. I'm like, whoa, hey, dude, come on. Like let's, well, that's uh, why he had to die. Oh, yeah. His, 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 <laughs> well, he was quite large, so it protected the dog from the impact. But, I uh, guess uh, <laughs> I guess that's what it was. But I was like, how is he not dead? Um I I I loved, you know, there's a certain uh innocence i think that 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 you see in kind of like pre 9-11 movies here in the u.s um i think there was i think it was you know just just seeing the pre 9-11 skyline in new york city was nice um and then of course they blew it all to hell uh but the the chrysler building coming down had uh had kind of a sad effect on me i was i was like that building that's yeah, the, the one where uh the gargoyle the gargoyles are that uh bruce that uh that spider-man hangs out on <laughs> well you see one of the gargoyles dropped from the building and it I, yeah i swear it's literally the one i had with my spider-man action figure when i was a kid <laughs> yeah voiced by jonathan frakes i think right oh <laughs> oh that, that's the other gargoyles <laughs> oh okay yeah he was in the the animated version before we get in too deep i'll just uh give that quick plot description you know to warm up people's brains in case they didn't have the two hours and 30 minutes to watch again again right, pay attention listeners because this one's cerebral gonna blow up an asteroid the size of texas is on the way and will impact in less than a month nasa decides to send two ships to the rock to drill holes send in a nuke and blow the things up from the inside to do so they enlist master driller harry stemper to consult their team of astronauts but stemper says he's got 18 roughnecks ready to go right now and they suck they spend their time about equally training for the mission and getting arrested but soon, it's launch time. After a refueling stop at Space Station Mir, which they promptly blow up, it's on the way to the asteroid. The shuttle Independence crash lands while Freedom misses their mark and lands on a sheet of metal. They do make progress with the drilling, but a blowout sends their drilling rig hurtling off into space. Fortunately, the survivors of Independence show up with a second rig, and they get her done. The nuke's trigger has sustained damage, though, and Harry stays back to manually detonate, thus saving the world while the surviving astronauts and drillers return home as heroes.
Okay. Yep. So very yeah. nicely done. I, w- I need to get my mission log, the Orville recaps down to about that length. <laughs> I, I think I took this movie specifically because I could keep it short. Cause the other one on the table was contact. And I, I, Luke knows I would have sat there and like rewritten the book for that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt's synopses are only short because I bullied him into making them short over the course of three years. <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, no, that was that was that was right spot on, man. You hit all the high points. Um, we, we like to talk actors a little bit. Uh, I mean, well, it's not. It is a pretty ensemble cast, though. It, it's still like you know, Bruce Willis is like the man, you know, with a deep guttural mm. voice in this movie. So, <laughs> um, I realized something as I was watching this. I've never really seen young Bruce Willis. And I guess that's because he started his career on TV and I've never watched like Moonlighting or whatever. But even Die Hard, I think of as the first Bruce Willis. And he's already like the point of him there is that he's like an old dad. Right. So this is like midlife crisis, dying your hair, Bruce Willis yeah. or wearing a toupee or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of pre toupee. <laughs> it was like pre toupee Billy Bob Thornton and uh post you pay Bruce Willis. I think he, I think he was doing something there, but yeah, he was, you know, he was no, he was not a kid when moonlighting came out in the um, like 85 ish. If I remember right, he was probably already 35, 40 years old. So, you know, and this movie was kind of nice because he was kind of, you know, transitioned into that, you know, guardian protector. Mm. Um, you know, I'm going to make sure that, uh, you know, I take care of everybody else role, which is kind of a, you know, at 55, it's a, it's a phase of life where, you know, I definitely understand, you know, I'm not out, I'm not out there pitching every night, but I can certainly do, uh, do my best to help, uh, try to help other people's other people do their best. I think this is the movie where several folks in the, um, ensemble cast sort of like, this is actually where they kind of really hit the mainstream. Um, cause Ben Affleck before this, I, well, they, uh, Goodwill hunting, but that's kind of the art film, the little film that could, you know, He's a total prick and mall rats. Uh, uh, yeah. Chasing Amy. Um, he and Matt Damon, um, you know, got some uh, props for that. Also that ha- I think that had to be before this. I feel like this is the arrival of like, you know, like the, the, the Affleck that we, we have in our minds today, more or less. Yeah. To- totally agree. And um, yeah, he, I mean, he looked great. I thought he was charming. He's a good look. He was a good looking you know, young man, I could definitely see, you know, why he rose to stardom as quickly as he as he did personally. Watching this again, that's like Bruce Willis. I, I guess I watched this and other of his 90s films so much like that wasn't surprising. I know what he looks like in these films. But yeah, yeah. Seeing particularly seeing Affleck looking so young is kind of weird because now we have kind of sulky, you know, Affleck with the with the bags under their eyes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but yeah, uh, I don't I don't think any of us had time to sit down watch the commentary with this one but uh if you have the chance Affleck's commentary is about as entertaining as the movie because he okay. has no he has no filter basically <laughs> <laughs> did like, he uh, did that commentary come out you know that was probably made six months after the film was released kind of kind of on the dvd release so is it it's probably 25 year old commentary do you think or is it more I, yeah, I think contemporary I want- than that I want to say it was on the Criterion disc, which I think was a year or two later. But yeah, about this, that vintage. Yeah, okay. um, I got a Japanese Blu-ray with nothing on it that I was watching, mm. you know, the past couple nights. So, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how he feels now about the about the movie, if he's proud of it or not. I think I think it's I think it is a rip roaring romping good time. I mean, it's it's got its silly moments, but like you mentioned, I mean, you got Owen Wilson, and it's pre Owen Wilson with his pre signature hairdo, which uh, which I kind of liked. He just kind of had it, you know coned back um uh we got the guy that played uh um you know his buddy who was uh, i remember him as coach yost from uh remember the titans um what was his uh name in this one here uh the guy with the uh with the son and the wife that he went to visit chick um you know we saw him he's been he was bouncing around in a bunch of things in the late 90s and then of course you got um you know the other guys in there too. Buscemi is always entertaining. Jeez. So, yeah, yeah, good, good ensemble cast. I don't know what space dementia is, but uh, holy cow, man, that was diagnosed quickly. That's one of the bits <laughs> I remember most from this film before we watched it was just how absolutely out of nowhere it came. Like 
Right, we need one more disaster to hit them. All right, uh, Steve Buscemi goes insane. There, there was like almost one line of foreshadowing when he was like, this is crazy, man. We're not going to make it. Like he did like this, uh, you know, almost like, um, you know, Vietnam, you know, movie era uh kind of kind of you know kind of you know he's losing his you know he's losing his stuff but you know and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he's like hey i got this gun i'm just gonna f- start firing it at everybody you know leaving are we leaving are we not leaving i had, I had the perfect seat picked out <laughs> but yeah he was great and he said uh you know when he was like captain america overshot the landing zone by 26 miles and he goes how could you possibly know that he goes because i'm a genius <laughs> just like yeah, i just i still remember laughing at that uh when I saw it in the theater, geniuses can still go nuts. I suppose. <laughs> I think. Yeah, you know, in space dementia, that's uh, apparently a thing that you get in movies. Apparently, for um, this was the film that discovered Michael Clark Duncan. Clark Duncan, um, like I th- he wasn't an actor before this film, and Michael Bay just thought he was a cool guy and put him in his movie. And and then he was same kind of thing. Choice. He was. He was in everything, and you know, for that period of time, right? Green yeah. Mile, if I remember right, and um, he was just kind of all over the place. No, I do remember this movie. One that I do need to revisit is Con Air, because mm-hmm. I remember that it came out the year after this, the next Michael Bay movie, and I just hated it because it's the first movie. <laughs> it's the first movie where Nick Cage wanted to like actually be an action man, which we're we're used to now, but you know, mm-hmm. we were used to seeing him like leaving Las Vegas and stuff. So you're like, what is happening? You know, The Rock it was his first actionary but uh yeah that threw me off um you know and it was the first movie where i remember is oh don i'm gonna get out of prison i'm gonna come home with that with that down home accent he had and i'm like come on nick cage what is see, that? i think see i think now i'd appreciate it you know because now we're all used to like crazy nick but uh i, I guess i shouldn't go too far on nick because he's not in this movie but the uh, most of the ensemble cast from here does return and i guess I mean, again, I, I maybe I'd appreciate more, but I felt like they didn't have the sparkle that they did in Armageddon. Because uh, what is it? I think the semi. It's Buscemi? not a not a Michael Bay film, Matt. It's not okay. Oh uh, yeah, I was surprised when you said that because yeah, it came out around the same time. Oh okay, who made it? Do you, are you looking at Simon West? Whoever that is. Oh crazy! I, and hmm. Maybe maybe it's a producer or something. I don't know. I just uh, had that, or maybe it's a. Bruckheimer thing. That's it. So we, that 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 was the thing that struck me right away was the Bruckheimer, you know, lightning bolt at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of feel like if they had made sequels to Top Gun, like back in the eighties and nineties, that this would be about Top Gun Four. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun in space. Yeah, yeah. Like they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they're like, you know, taken. You know, taking what looks like a giant F-14 space shuttle like into space to blow this thing up. But yeah, actually, that's interesting because now it's like I'm going to go see a Michael Bay film or I'm going to see this director's film. And and also in the 90s, but in the 90s, it was like we were actually stringing the Bruckheimer films together. So it's like, oh, Con Air yeah. is the next Bruckheimer film. So because mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. I, do we have like do we have like star producers anymore? I mean, he came back and made Maverick and even stuck Simpson's name on again. Right. But <laughs> right. Yeah, he did. I, don't, I, I, was, I thought that was do. a nice touch. Could you bring that up quite a lot, Matt? Like in the nineties, doing that, and but that it was, just it was seems weird to me. So I don't think that yeah. is the equivalent anymore. Like I remember, um, you know, Roland Roland Emmerich, and uh, you know, that made uh, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Independence Day. Then they had to do something bigger, so they made Godzilla, and then I think they had to do something even bigger, and I forget what that it was. Uh, uh, they, were, they were they were after tomorrow then. Yeah, but they kept making bigger and bigger and bigger as you know a production team. So yeah, I think you're exactly right that 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 star producer thing is gone. Maybe that's because of all the investment of of you know uh, kind of international money uh, mm. into Hollywood. Maybe that's maybe that's toned that down somewhat. Oh, sorry, Kevin Feige. We do have one. <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. <laughs> but people are like we're seeing the MCU film, and they yeah I, we. You don't. I didn't know, actually know how to pronounce his name till like two weeks ago. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and the Russo <laughs> brothers too would probably be another another mm-hmm. example of that. You know, in, in the Marvel universe. Uh, you brought up the like Emmerich and Godzilla. There's a scene at the start of this film where the bit you yes! talked about. He's got all the toy Godzillas, and then I always get that confused with Independence Day because Independence Day, the kids playing with toy Godzillas all the way through. So I love that, you know, when, when, when that little dog, I, I don't think it was a pug, I think it was some, some kind of a, um, 
uh, terrier or something would have went after that Godzilla. It was, you know, you're getting like full on Godzilla noise out of it. Um, yeah. It just, it was so reminiscent of that, of that era of movies. I just, I, I laughed out loud. But then that made me wonder if there was like, was there a battle there, whether Emmerich or Michael Bay was going to direct Godzilla? Because I kind of want to see the Godzilla that came from the universe where Michael Bay directed it. I almost feel like the Transformer movies count. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. It starts getting the dinosaurs in there eventually. Right, but, right. So, you know, obviously a lot more metal, but you know, take what you can get. And hey, look behind your head. You're getting your monster movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or just look down on the floor. You're getting your little, uh, you know, little dog versus Godzilla movie. <laughs> which was which was kind of cool in this one. That'd be a good premise for a movie. Dog versus well, they have Bambi versus Godzilla, didn't they? And their the animation early. That's just Bambi like sitting there and getting stomped. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember watching that one on Newgrounds when I was a kid. Yeah. So yeah. so Matt, you said you saw Fifth Element one week, and then you think you you, you saw Armageddon like the very next weekend. Oh no, I think it was a year apart. Oh, okay. okay. Was, was I was going to say they're Bruce, Bruce, both Bruce Willis flicks. I was, you know, I know he was cranking out some movies back then, but <laughs> I didn't think they were coming about that that frequently. No, no I say in '97 when I came out yeah. of the film, and they just had right at the exit door like this massive cardboard, like oh, they're already pushing it hard, like a year out, right? Without oh, got clue it, got of it. what it was about, other than Bruce Willis was going to be in it, and the rest of them weren't really stars. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, before we move off from the the actors, I guess yeah. Liv Tyler did a few movies and I has she done anything recently? I you know, my wife and I were talking about that, and she said she's basically retired from acting. I mean, obviously, she she was a big part of the Lord of the Rings films. Um, the Royal Tenenbaums, was she in that? She was uh, Betty in 2008's The Incredible Hulk. That's, yeah, the that's, last, that's the last thing I remember seeing her in. Yeah, that's yeah. like 14 years ago now. Right. Just so, yeah, it's interesting sometimes when you go in these 90s movies. It's just we're getting there, you know, in the 90s, these actors from the 60s that would kind of like come out from nowhere again. And now it's like there's all these 90s actors that it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, they, they were actually real big for a time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see her back doing some more uh, some more work. I have found myself more and more recently, though, now that um, I when, Oh, we haven't done Alien yet. Well, I'm going to talk about how I, I tend to just fast forward through the um the egg jump scene because I don't like that scare jump. <laughs> I, I, I the last three times on this, I, I have to admit I did just go sail past the animal crackers. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had it on. I I was flying from uh um I was I was riding the back of an airplane this morning and I had this movie on my <laughs> iPad and I'm watching it and I'm thinking okay you know the the dress is coming unbuttoned oh the bra's showing oh there goes the animal cracker I should probably cover my iPad in case, in case there's a little kid watching this from the row behind me but I'm like it like I it can't be that bad or there would have been a warning so and it wasn't luckily they held up uh without it. but it is it's a scene that is oddly difficult to watch it's kind of like ugh. i think i got my finger on it um i mean the animal cracker is kind of lame but the thing is you basically have dad singing about it like i'm gonna watch my daughter bone after you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's just like that's that's creepy like even like it's not affect's like slightly creepy he's forgivable creepy but then you're like Dad's singing a romantic ballad for them to bang, and that's weird. <laughs> I don't want to miss one thing, even if you're with a, your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm never going to be able to watch that scene again. Because I, I always thought my suspension of disbelief had, even now, I was like, what do you mean, man? Harry Stamper wasn't singing that song. That was Steven Tyler. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets more real, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not good with that. Okay, at at all. Um, Sorry, I just ruined the movie. I ruined that scene for you. I ruined that scene for myself a long time ago. So I tell you what, wh- whoever made the 2010 uh, space battleship Yamato must have loved uh, Steven Tyler because they had him back to do the closing closing credit song for that, and it was almost the same exact song. Wow! <laughs> hey, if it works, like, you just keep doing. Not it. quite. It went love lives, love lives love lives <laughs> and on and on and on but it was good it was very it was very reminiscent of the armageddon song huh. and i thought well done too 
this is a quantum ripple, I guess, going in the other direction. But I noticed like a lot of the instrument, like the instrumental theme sounded a bit like my heart will go on. But Titanic didn't come out till a year later. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, I, and you know, are you, are you familiar with, um, you know, who did the scoring in this film? I, I was not. Um, Alan Silvestri. No, wait, that's incorrect, because that was Contact, the other film we did recently. <laughs> I wonder if it's the guy who usually works with Michael Bay. Um, which is You're feeling Michael Steve, Bay Dablonsky. Steve Dablonsky. Okay. I know He's that because a... I own all the Transformers tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, I had I had that in my notes somewhere and I'm kind of scrolling through it and I'm glad you came across that. But I th- I thought the scoring was good. Um, you know, a little in your face at points, but definitely uh Trevor uh, Rabin, didn't take apparently. Me. Trevor Rabin, yeah. I just came across her right there. Trevor Rabin. Um, but I thought I thought it was good for somebody, you know, that I hadn't uh, hadn't heard from and wasn't familiar with their uh, uh, with their musical chops. I thought it was I thought it was really good, you know, especially this kind of movie that is very, you know, like I said, you know, bigger than big. <laughs> oh, although speaking of. Uh, Nicholas Cage, looking at all Trevor Rabin's work, it's like National Treasure, National Treasure, Con Air, gone in 60 <laughs> seconds. Another quantum ripple going in the the wrong direction of linear time. That's cool. I, I do. I guess this is the first like Michael Bay rah rah America scenes, because um, mm. yeah, oh, Emmerich yeah. would have done the year before, right, for Independence Day. But we are back to like only America can save the planet, and then yeah, the, this crew doesn't even have any like foreigners around there or anything. I, I thought it was funny <laughs> that that general, that two star general that showed up on the rig to get Harry Stamper, f- framed it as a matter of national security. I was like, <laughs> um, dude, there's a bigger picture here, man. Like. <laughs> This is not a match matter of national security. This is a matter of like global existence. <laughs> yeah, that so, doesn't get your blood pumping. Yeah. So this being a, a a dumb movie, I mean, there is kind of a relatively smart conundrum to think about, and that in this situation, and the plan sounds reasonable, I guess. Uh, hey, J- so, Jason Isaacs thought of it, man. How yeah. how could it not be reasonable? Yeah, yeah. He makes any plan sound good. So I am wondering what. Is it better to send actual trained astronauts or, you know, a bunch bunch of roughnecks who do know the drilling aspect? Yeah, because people bring it up as like, oh, that's really dumb. Surely it makes more sense to train astronauts to drill than drillers to astronaut. But the point Bruce Willis makes is, do these guys actually have to do any flying or have they just got to drill? Right. But they've got pilots to do the flying. They just have to drill. So I think it does make sense to send the drillers. Yeah, none of that astronaut stuff, right? Just drill. And he's like, yeah, just drill. And he's like, all right, let me and my guys do it. Because he saw what they were doing to um, to his equipment that they ripped off and, mm. you know, couldn't figure it out. Um, I wasn't, I did, I don't know what those drill bits look like, if they're all very similar looking. Um, I did at one point read a little bit about Howard Hughes, who at one point made a bunch of movies and owned TWA and was a billionaire and very eccentric and kind of kind of lost his mind. You can see all that in the movie, The Aviator with DiCaprio. Um, but what what got him rich was the patent on that drill bit for the Hughes Tool and Die Corporation. Um, and it looked very similar to that kind of that three headed, um, you know, geared uh, device that I guess kind of just kind of chews up the dirt and then kind of like spits it spits it backward you know up the pipe vertically so that the um the drill bit can keep going down and not get resistance so uh yeah i thought that was definitely a neat um and it's probably what every drill bit in the world looks like now for that kind of mining yeah um truman does say like oh there is no backup plan but you know they had a backup plan 
Oh, oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's why I was bringing up the like, it's just America. I'm like, surely China's doing something too. It's not like everyone else is just going to sit around and well, wait to see what America's going to do. There were so <laughs> many funny little time jumps, right? So the general shows up on the rig and he's like, he's like, dude, you got to come with me now. It's a matter of national security. And he's like, all right, I'll go save America with you. Handshake, you know. Um, and then he's uh, supposedly, I think, right on a right on a helicopter to a plane to the u.s of a right yeah. and then they're like okay i'm gonna need my guys and you know oscar you know is already on a ranch and somehow bear is driving around on his motorcycle getting chased by the cops um aj already has his own business set up because <laughs> he's so pissed off about getting shot and it's like how did where did they like this was they only have 18 days like, and only like one has passed and they're all <laughs> scattered all over the world at this point. Um, yeah, I thought that was, you know, a funny little bit of uh, um, time, time bleepery. No, it was some, it was some Nolan style, non-linear storytelling. See the, the earlier scenes of AJ actually happened like weeks before. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely Christopher Nolan-esque when it, when it comes to that. <laughs> I, I do find that they've recently reused um, Owen Wilson's escaping being contacted on, on Strange New Worlds with Pike doing the same thing in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, at, right at the beginning, Luke, you're, we're not spoiling too much for you there. <laughs> I'm fine. Just doesn't want to be contacted. You you get on a horse and you ride away. That I mean, that's, yeah, he's riding away. Well, in this movie, he's riding away from the sunset. That's kind of fun. <laughs> With helicopters, I think that's I think that's on my bucket list. I want to be chased by helicopters while I'm on horseback. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really liked Owen Wilson in this movie. I mean, I thought he was I thought he was great. Um, I liked his kind of you know, and I think even when uh, when Gracie uh, Liv Tyler's character introduced him, she was like, you know, he's kind of quirky, but he's he's brilliant. And he, yeah, um, you know, he's just asking questions like, so what kind of conditions we can we expect on that asteroid? Okay, cool. So just scariest, scariest imaginable. That's all I got to say. Scariest imaginable conditions. I got it. Good. Cool. And I'm like 98% excited, 2% scared, or maybe it's 2% excited, 98% scared. I, I don't know. It's that's why it's so exciting. It's so mixed up. Like I, I really liked his character and his delivery in this, in this film. And granted it hasn't changed a whole lot over the last 25 <laughs> years, but it's still, I think still think he's just, just a likable guy. Uh, like he plays a likable guy. Didn't get many wows. That was a shame. <laughs> well, he gets off too quickly, doesn't he? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I wrote that down. I was like, oh, I was just kind of like going down and jotting things down. I was like, Oscar's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> well, gives, I thought he would surely make it deeper into the movie than that. Gives Buscemi the, the chance to go real crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so have... I thought it was I thought it was interesting that the um, this asteroid they said was the size of Texas. And the one that Heston um, talked about at the beginning of the movie was only six miles across and it did all that damage. So, wow, that's that's a lot. That's big. That's big change. Big difference. Well, I think yeah. they were saying in this the film and the this asteroid wouldn't just have like caused a mass extinction. It would have literally made the Earth unlivable. It, it, that's right. He said not even I think he said not even bacteria would survive. Right. Yeah. That's when yeah, Heston that's was like, count me in. <laughs> the, the notorious ending of planet of beneath the planet of the apes a yeah, cold, like, dying world <laughs> <laughs> a planet once known as earth yeah i think he just maybe really gets into that maybe that's why he's on the NRA. <laughs> <laughs> just a big um, accelerationist what is <laughs> What's your favorite explosion? I feel like that's a good question for a Michael Bay film. <laughs> mm. I I felt like my favorite my favorite explosion was my favorite one to talk about anyway was when the the shuttle got hit by the uh, the debris early on in the movie and it just like blew you know it had like an explosion like two or three follow up explosions. Yeah. I'm like I don't I don't think a space shuttle would do that. They're not really like carrying any fuel to get back. I don't know that there's really enough oxygen in there to explode. It'd probably vaporize right away. And it's the, you know, that secondary and tertiary <laughs> explosion just made me laugh. I just, I thought it was funny. The meteorites are made of dynamite. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they would have a bit of atmosphere because it's, you know, trailing all that dirt and stuff. So, 
I guess theoretically, if you're close enough, there could be a bit of a more of an explosion than in nor- you know normal space. Hey, sounds good to me, man. You're uh, you can be our science advisor anytime. <laughs> <laughs> we already got one. <laughs> um, let's see. What what is my favorite? Well, I this is the time when we were just like, what you know, what world famous sites are going to get taken in this movie that's the big right. thing isn't it after that yeah it's it's not so fun on film but yeah this time it's like well the white house blew up last year so like you said the independence day right um yeah Hong Kong, paris yeah just all of, i think my favorite is just all of paris just getting blinked out in a second <laughs> <laughs> like oh it'd be too depressing if you blew up an american city let's just blow up paris in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, New York took a look at uh, Lincoln. I mean, you know, you could see both both towers of the World Trade Center were, you know, heavily damaged. That was kind of kind of eerie to look at. Um, there was one that went into the Pacific, right, and did quite a bit of damage in the South Pacific, if I remember. And then there was the, um, you know, I don't remember if that was the same as was was it a Shanghai hit or was it? I think it was uh, Hong Kong. Okay, and then yeah, so the Hong Kong one was the was i think the biggest sort of one that happened or maybe paris i'm not really sure both of those are big hmm. um just good thing it wasn't you know right here in good old america because well america is they were they were showing resistance against that asteroid that's so, right we're you know, fighting again we're fighting it not like the french just waiting for the well, world and <laughs> rolling over and playing dead that gets into Matt, something i did notice about the film which is they try really hard to make the asteroids feel like a villain. Do like they, 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 they know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why I think I so much prefer when he did start doing the Transformers. Because you've got an actual bad guy. Like you, you can hate the Decepticons. You can't hate a rock. It's just a big rock. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. And they're, they're doing bits like oh, I think it's pissed. It knows we're here to kill it and stuff like that. And like, they should have just gone the whole hog and made it that thing from um, Fifth Element and actually is an evil space rock that wants to kill us. <laughs> I, I kind of thought the the villains were either General Kimsey, um, the general that just kept saying, this isn't going to work. This is the best plan you got. This is terrible. This, And he's just kind of like rooting against him the whole time, you know, until he, uh, um, you know, gets the, the backup plan. Or... The other guy that I thought was maybe, um, you know, the uh, the the villain was Colonel Colonel Willie Sharp, baby. Um, uh, and he eventually came to his senses on the receiving end of what looked like a really big pair of pliers, I guess, yeah. <laughs> that they use in the drilling business. Uh, but yeah, Willie Sharp eventually came around. But I think between him and the general, I was just like done with those two. I did like the stuff where. The general's trying to detonate it and um, Billy Bob on the ground is sort of interrupting the signal and stuff. That was what that Yeah, he had that little back channel going. That was that was that was good. But I guess they threw Steve Buscemi going nuts in there so you'd have a bit of a villain up on the rock as well. <laughs> a joker. But in that case, you know, the villain wasn't Buscemi. The villain was space dementia. Well, yeah, it gets us all in the end. <laughs> right. Um yeah, I guess we mentioned contact, but since, since we brought up the colonel, the uh, the contact um, Armageddon disparity with that actor deserves one more mention. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you made a double feature. Well, I guess I made a double feature of it too, basically. So <laughs> yeah, he couldn't he couldn't be playing two more different characters across these two films. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you know the other thing I was speaking of two actors. Um, so bad guy in. Uh, the bad guy in um, Die Hard, Hans Gruber. Mm. This movie had a Gruber in it also. Also ended up dying. Um, oh, yeah, I, I saw they, that in your notes. I wasn't. I wasn't that insightful. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, one of the. I think one of the astronauts was named Gruber, and I was like, oh man, he didn't even make it as far as Hans Gruber. <laughs> well, we get the brother, and then with a vengeance, right? <laughs> but it is a Willis picture, so that might have been deliberate. <laughs> Killed a Gruber. Yeah, I thought I thought he might have had one in his uh, had in his contract. He needs a he needs a Gruber. It's just a kid he hated at school called Gruber. So now every action movie he makes, <laughs> I want to kill a Gruber. <laughs> kill a Gruber. That just rolls off the 
That so, rolls out of the throat somehow. The, the other thing that you mentioned about the uh, going back to the, you know, don't you think the Chinese have something going on? Don't you think? Uh, so this was basically like the American thing. They were using a, um, they were getting some help from the Russians because they had to go to the mirror, you know, the Russian satellite to, to refuel. Because mm. I guess the Russian satellite just has a bunch of liquid oxygen up there for some reason. Um, so if it gets hit by asteroids, you can explode that. <laughs> <laughs> explode real good. Um, so, so I was like, okay, American and Russian. But then the day before, they were like, this is the largest international effort in history. The Americans, the French, the Japanese, the Russians. And I'm like, I have a question because we've been watching this whole movie and there have been no French and no Japanese involved anywhere along the way. Um, but I guess that was just part of the part of the story. They hey, just provided some cash money. Let's not forget, you know, when, when W needed to put together his coalition, he was able to get like Tuvalu and Tonga. The coalition <laughs> of the willing. <laughs> it was, I got 60 countries and they're all small islands. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's like what, and when he was told that uh, they were going to get, uh, they were going to get, uh, uh, what do they say? Um, uh, the, the UN was going to give him some give him brazilian troops and he was like all right man how many is in a brazilian again (laughs) (laughs) that was that was a meme going around at the time um (laughs) man the russian cosmonaut he was he was pretty crazy did you guys recognize that actor or see him before yeah uh, peter stormare yeah he's everywhere right (laughs) he he always seems to play just like we need someone who can do a half decent russian accent and has a, a bit of a slavic face so we'll get you in well, let's not forget he's in the film version of Fargo uh, doing. <laughs> he's, oh, he's... no way. Never saw it. Oh, OK. Then I was, I'll, I'll not call him what I was about to say then. <laughs> in case I ever watch it 20 something years later. <laughs> OK, he's the wood chipper guy. <laughs> ah, everybody oh. down, he's a wood chipper guy. <laughs> I just realized what I recognize him from. Like 80 other films, right? <laughs> no, John Wick. John Wick. He's the Russian baddie. Oh, Got it. I have seen there. him in that. I have definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen him he's done that. a load of films playing basically this role. Yeah, Good he was him. he was character actor extraordinaire at this time. So <laughs> but he yeah, was de- he was that guy, right? Yep, the guy is. you see everywhere. Right, right. Um any other big hits, big asteroid hits you want to take at this movie? <laughs> um, like like literal asteroid hits or just uh could be. points. Both. Um, the, the one I the one I liked, you know, it's funny that the, the one part of the movie I think really didn't hold up. I thought I liked physical effects. So mm. I thought the work with the miniatures looked pretty good. Um, I thought those, you know, the I thought that was I thought that was fine. Um, the 11 G's around the moon and then, you know, cat to catch up with the asteroid from behind was an interesting concept. Uh, the issue that I sort of had was how um airplane like the x71s looked on their approach to the asteroid i mean they're yanking and banking and they're you know they kind of come in for a landing as if they're like almost on a runway um i don't think they would do i don't think that's how that would go down myself even, even star wars does a lot of that like oh yeah like with there's the droids, not a lot of films and stuff yeah spaceships move like they're in space all right. So I was thinking, you know, the best way to do it was would be to come if they're going to come around the moon like that, they could probably do that and then match velocity, you know, relative velocity with the Android oh, with the uh, excuse me, asteroid, not Android mm. uh, with the asteroid and then just be like psh, 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 and just kind of land on it without yeah. having to like maneuver through all this stuff. Like, you know, we're watching Top Gun five. <laughs> Looks cool. Um, but yet another film we recently re- revisited was Apollo 13, which has the realistic slingshot. <laughs> mm. So that's another kind of fun contrast. But yeah, if you know, comparing those two segments is kind of fun because this one's just like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Right. Whereas uh, yep. Apollo 13, it's like actually tense and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they did. I liked that they they kind of roll inverted going around the, uh, you know, the the lunar arc because that would cause them to pull positive g's which are easier to sustain the negative g's negative g all the blood goes to your brain so you start busting blood vessels in your brain and your eyes and stuff like that and that's like really bad for you whereas positive g's the the blood's going to kind of go down into your you know abdomen and legs and stuff like that and you can kind of push and squeeze to to hold it back up so i thought that was a nice touch um and the movie on that um but then i liked the uh 
the budget friendly, let's get the Mir space station spinning so that it has gravity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not shaped anything like a wheel. Uh, there's going to be no gravity in the middle. There's going to be all kinds of crazy gravity as the further you get out to the, to the outside of this thing. Uh, but no matter where they ran it, it seemed like it was always a perfect one G all the way through. So <laughs> very, very budget conscious decision there to, to have the mirror start to spin. Also, I was thinking of uh, Stormare's Cosmonaut. As soon as that gravity came to effect, he's going—he's not going to be twirling around pipes. He's going to be like a wad on the floor. He's been there he, for eighteen months. He's going to be <laughs> laying on the floor crying. Yeah, that's what—that's what he's going to be doing. <laughs> Off topic, but recently a lot of people were sharing the video of—I've forgotten the, his name—the famous astronaut who's been up a lot recently, where he's trying Had to Hadwick. I think it's Hadwick. He's demonstrating things, but he's back on Earth. So he'll like hold up a pen and just let go. <laughs> and he's forgotten about gravity. And it's really cute to see. One time he, he lets it go, it drops, and then he looks up. <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking the guy that was doing Bowie in space, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the right name. <laughs> um, I, I do like that they referenced, you know, like I haven't hurled for an hour because I have heard 80% of people that go into space hurl in the first 18 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I thought I thought that was good. I I really did. I loved the um I loved that montage of the guys getting their physicals. And when Truman was like Truman played by Billy Bob was like, Can these guys make the journey into space and back or not? And he goes, I'm surprised they even survived the physical. And then they <laughs> Tampa approved on it but uh the rorschach test was great that's harry it's harry telling me it's not good enough it's harry telling me i can't marry his daughter i thought that was you know i still remember laughing at that you know 25 plus years ago when i saw the movie um still as not well sure. as... i'm still not sure why bear felt the need to get up on the table and get <laughs> leopard skin uh briefs just because man Cause just when you got that yeah. bod you make them put that scene in the script yeah <laughs> and then um uh when Buscemi was doing he was like boobs boobs you with boobs <laughs> um and at one point they did they just flashed real quickly the um the plaque that memorializes the crew of Apollo 1 did you guys did you guys catch that, that oh yeah I, for, I even just a moment? threw in a note for that so yeah oh yeah same same here uh it says a memory of those who made the ultimate sacrifice so others could reach for the stars at Astra per Aspera a rough road leads to the stars. Godspeed to the crew of Apollo One. Um, so yeah, I thought that was just kind of a nice touch to sort of ground the mm. uh, this this highly fictionalized version of NASA to something something much more real. Um, no, I, no, I didn't put it with day as well. Opens with the plaque on the moon getting shaken up by the saucer going over. I guess this one worked because it was kind of like a quiet one, which made it. I, I was looking at my my notes where I did mention. I was like, "Oh, it's just like a cool call," you know. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even say anything snarky there. So, <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I did notice watching this film is like Michael Bay is well into his conspiracy stuff. Like he keeps making NASA films. He had aliens build the pyramids in this and The Rock. He mentions finding out who really killed Kennedy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the whole like, dark side of the ob- moon. Uh, yeah. He's obsessed with that shit. He's fully pilled. <laughs> like, I get it. I get cornered by Michael Bay at a party. And, and, and I like that. I like that scene of Harry with the demands where he's like, just, just looking through like, okay, what's reasonable to ask for? What's not? And he's like, um, you know, this guy would want some parking tickets. Okay, yeah, yeah, we, we can do that. We never um, want to pay taxes again. <laughs> yeah, and then they kind of get to the bigger ones, like, any chance we can kill out JFK? And he was like, nah. And, he was, and I love Billy Bob's answer. He was like, yeah, sure, we could probably take care of some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they waited till after that to bring up the taxes. Like, okay, get some of that stuff, and here's, here's the yeah, important and, one, folks. <laughs> then here's the big one. Never pay taxes. Ever. I mean, I but, guess if I was in Billy Bob Thornton's position, I'd just be saying yes to everything. <laughs> because if they fail, fuck it, the world's gone. Who cares? Yeah. And if they succeed, 100%. someone else can deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, at the, the end of this movie, you know, Bichemi's like, I'm still going to die, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and he was wanting to uh, stay behind, you know, and if he was like, hey, look, I've got, uh, you know, $100,000 to a loan shark. I'm the guy for this job. Give me, give me the trigger, but I don't think they could trust him. Um, 
Although they did allow him to draw straws uh, due to the space dementia and all. <laughs> oh, yeah, just pr- lift the lever, press a button, right? Which which Stemper makes look hard, of course. But yeah. <laughs> he he almost yeah he did almost mess it up. Yeah, he had one job and he did almost um, not not complete it. So if it he'd is, actually okay. failed, that would have been a real dick move that he didn't let Ben Affleck go. <laughs> <laughs> like, or or if he just like sat there like. Think you're gonna marry my daughter, huh? <laughs> I'll, like, I'll destroy the drop, earth before I let you marry my daughter. <laughs> it, I thought it was funny how there was very selective gravity. How, like you know, a kick in the balls will f- make you fly out into space, but these giant rocks are just like crashing down around them. You know, <laughs> so hey, you know, whatever it takes. Maybe those kind of rocks have more. I don't know extra massive elemental steel that we haven't discovered yeah yet. maybe they're like magnetics magnetic <laughs> rocks and they're attracted by the other ones maybe it's magnetism not gravity see there's, I don't there's, know. there's all the science in this movie <laughs> so, <laughs> much, so much science i'd like to hear the deal to grass like debunking on this one <laughs> well, yeah so uh <laughs> I was telling one of my buddies that I was, you know, going to have this chat with you tonight. And he was like, oh, my God. He goes, who's the scientist? And I go, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he goes, yeah, he shreds this movie whenever he gets a chance to. So I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, that's that's up to him. I think he's probably got bigger, uh, bigger fish to fry than, you know, just kind of bashing, you know, dunking on a 25 year old movie. I don't think anyone making this film was under any pretensions that they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael Bay was like, yeah, we're going to make a really realistic picture. It's going to accurately express the rigors of space travel. (laughs) I want to blow shit up. (laughs) That's it, man. You got to have explosions. Again, that's one of the fascinating things about this movie, because if you do want those things, you have deep impact, which isn't a bad movie. But it's just like we keep saying, it's it's, this this movie has a special sauce where it can be as dumb as it wants and it still works where. Deep Impact thinks too hard and it's yeah. off socking in the corner. Um, you know, like it's made well, it's thoughtful, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I, I, and, you and, know, let's blow shit up. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like so many, you know, so many movies, you know, sci-fi or, or, or other, um, you know, that just kind of comes down to the relationships. But I think, you know, I think, I, you know, honestly, I think Ben Affleck and, and uh, Liv Tyler were cute as hell together. Um, I think Harry's kind of acceptance of AJ and they're kind of what became a, a father-son relationship, um, antagonistic at first and then, you know, mutual respect later. Like, I thought those things were pretty cool. I thought, um, you know, was kind of that gradual building of trust between, um, you know, Colonel Willie, Willie Steer. What was his, that was, was that his name? And, uh, and, um, Harry Stamper was good. I thought Truman behind the scenes supporting everybody. So there was a lot of good, I think, interpersonal play in this movie, regardless of the, the, you know, how big and dumb the science was. And I think that's what I enjoyed. And it had kind of a, you know, I mean, Steven Tyler at the top of his game, you know, singing about his daughter getting, (laughs) you know, animal crackers running around on her, you know, (laughs) midsection was a little bit weird, I guess, now that I've been informed that that's what was happening but i still think you know the the music was good especially the the main theme song of this of this movie i thought was outstanding People love to make fun of Michael Bay, but he does sum it right because a lot of people watch his films and enjoy. Yeah, them. I think it's because you feel like a little bit like like your intellect has been insulted because, like you mentioned, all the all those uh, character threads that you know do draw you in, and then you're like, and it's so obvious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's still effective. I, I you know, it's kind of like. Michael Bay's making like amazing finger paintings, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I've been watching Disney stuff recently and it's like they cynically laser target the way to make you have these emotional responses, but I'm still having them. <laughs> like I can sit there and say like, Oh, this is so cheesy, but I've still got a tear in my eye when like Mulan's dad accepts her or whatever. 
Yeah. And, and, and honest, honest to God, you know, when, um, uh, when Harry and Gracie were having that conversation and, and, and the tear that, uh, Bruce Willis shit. I mean, I, I was, I didn't, I wasn't crying, but I could, I could feel my emotional buttons getting pushed and, you know, starting to well up a little bit. Like I, th- I thought, I thought there was a lot to be said for it. And a film like this, you go see, it is exactly, it's like going to see a mission impossible movie, right? There, there's no way you can believe everything you see in a mission impossible movie, but it's just big and over the top and there's good stunts and I leave and I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to go see. Mm. But other franchises, I, I don't really want to see that. You know, I want to see something a little bit more grounded, a little bit more um, maybe uh, hard science or maybe at least just um, something with maybe a, a message or a moral or a, or a meaning, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Maybe this one is easier to stomach in a post-Transformers world because maybe people at the time were expecting something more realistic and grounded that deals in the actual science of an asteroid. Whereas now that I've seen Michael Bay give me transforming robots five times, <laughs> maybe I'm just like, oh yeah, no, this is this is exactly what I expect from this film. Absolute nonsense. You know, if you're uh, if you want to go to a movie and see and see robots transforming robots and somebody following a woman around uh, with a camera, kind of like at knee level, uh, <laughs> aiming up. Michael Bay is the guy for you. <laughs> he doesn't even want the humans. He wants the humans out of the Transformers movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we're, the, the, the question on how is this one holding up 25 years later is pretty well. Um, it, it doesn't have the CGI. I mean, it's got a little CGI, but it, it has enough models and stuff like you said that it really has like that kind of fun, gritty feel of a of an older movie. <laughs> like there's one or it two did... jokes here and there that haven't aged, but overall, yeah, you gotta you gotta. I mean, if you're watching a movie made in the '90s, it has jokes. A few of them probably didn't age well. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of Buscemi's like, "Hey, I don't know how old she was," or "I yeah. swear she didn't tell me her age." It's like, oh, nothing like a little light pedophilia joke to like you know to remind you it's the '90s. So yeah, those obviously did not did not they, they shouldn't even have been there in the first place, really. Um, but I think a lot of the you know the Owen Wilsonisms, I think I think held up really well. I think that was fun. Um, you mentioned the CGI. I noticed there was in the credits there was uh, one line, and they had several different kind of. Uh, you know, sections of the credits where people worked on different parts of the film. But one of the companies credited with special effects was Computer Graphics Incorporated. So I was <laughs> like, wow, that's the one company doing computer graphics. They got to name the company and everybody else was doing miniatures, I guess. I did notice they literally had like different companies listed for different effects shots in the film. Right. Whereas these days, like, yeah, it's just Marvel High. Five minutes scroll of names. Oh, yeah, but like, all, all industrial light and magic. Yeah, we just hire this one sweatshop and they just pump it all out in post. But, but yeah, it's it's nice, I guess. And it, it's weird calling this old style movie making because this was the newest, shiniest thing when it came out. And I remember that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, 20, 25 years. It's, it's blown my mind that this and Contact are now that vintage. But, uh, uh, I was going to say, uh, Michael Bay still at it, though. He had what Romeo and Juliet clauses in his, clauses in his movie just a few years ago. He hasn't Yarn. gotten off of it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I didn't realize that. Uh, but yeah, he continues to do great work. And, um, you know, you can see his, 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 his methods and his, you know, storytelling has, has matured. I thought, um, you know, what was it? The, uh, uh, the Benghazi movie, uh, 13 Hours, is that what it was called? um was maybe it was a different number of hours but you know that movie was excellent and just you know continuing to to do good stuff so um he does definitely have a brand that he has to live up to Mm. and i think the uh you know one of the funniest things i ever saw on family guy was uh an episode where three different directors told the same story three different ways and one of them was michael bay one of them was spielberg and i don't remember the other one um but the michael bay one was just awesome starts with peter just taking off his shirt he's ripped just you know flinging things around and it was it was it was very michael bay um depending on the vintage i'd I'd have to assume they'd be going wes anderson for the third 
There's so many internet internet clips now yes. where people are doing like you know this or that. You know, the, I think uh, you are a hundred percent right. The the X Men Wes Anderson style that sort of stuff. Yep. <laughs> I love that one. Um, I guess we'll 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 put a capper. We'll we'll blow this one up real good. And uh, <laughs> uh, Mike, can you tell folks what what you're up to a bit? Uh, well, we're finishing up uh, season three, aka the Orville New Horizons. Um, we're just dropping episode three oh seven tomorrow. Uh, we recorded that yesterday, so that's available on the Roddenberry Podcast Network and uh, and most uh, and your favorite podcatcher of choice. Uh, you can also catch us on YouTube on the Roddenberry YouTube channel, uh, where we premiere that video every Wednesday at uh, in the United States four o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern. And uh, looking forward to getting some more supplementals out after this season wraps. And, um, you know, I don't know nothing about nothing, but I'm hoping for a season four. I think we may hear something this weekend, um, this weekend coming up by the time this releases, we may have heard something already on a possible renewal for season four. So exciting times. And um, you can get me on Twitter at uh, mrichard1701 and uh instagram at mike.ml the orville on instagram so i'm pretty sure uh by the time that we put this one out you you will be able to hear all of your season three orvilles so <laughs> well we hope so it has been a rip doing that show and every you know at, at this point i was i'm wishing like can we just go back to comedy can we just go back to like a little light-hearted uh fun episode to fun you know to just have fun with because um each one of these it takes me about you know, the better part of a week just to process everything that's in there and decide what we're going to talk about because we can't talk about everything. It's just the, the show's just gotten too deep and it's fantastic. I'm loving every minute of it. I guess I should give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it a go. <laughs> okay. Luke, what are we up to? What, or what's Good. our thing? Find this podcast on Twitter at MLSFS Pod, or on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that. Just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Make sure you like and subscribe, rate and review, whatever it is. And if you want to help keep us online, find other podcasts made by me and Matt, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. So we got a we got a whole bunch of quotes from Mike here. Luke, which 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 quote in this oh, film guys, did it for you? I think we need to stop. I got earth dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Beneath the planet of the apes.